Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. I'm Andrew Slavin and we put ourselves through the mill for you, dear listener. Yes, we've just been watching an absolute mauling in Moscow. Russia 4, Scotland 0. More on that in a moment. But there's other stuff to talk about too. Rangers are top of the league and Jack Ross is back on the market. The title race is tight in the men's game, as it has been in the women's game. Hibernian have given Glasgow City a good chasing, so we'll be speaking to Hibs midfielder Rachel Boyle later on. And it's Challenge Cup weekend, a competition that makes us hungry for a biscuit, as well as argue whether it's a biscuit or not. Partick Thistle take on Welsh side Connors Key Nomads. Manager of the Nomads, the Kelly Slayer himself, Andy Morrison, joins us on the podcast. There's no JJ Bull this week. He's off supping Bucky on the beach. So alongside me in the studio from Copper 90, it's Finn Marks. Hello. Hello. And from Kicker, welcome back, Anthony Joseph. How are you doing, guys? Everyone well? Yeah, all right. Good. Glad to be back. Glad oh, yes. to be back. Does anyone have uh, news? No news for me. Just news for me. Do you not know this news? No. My news? No, no. I don't know your news. Well, listeners, and you two, I'm going to be a dad. Oh, oh congratulations. Wow. Congratulations. Fatherhood is, uh, is upon me. Um, it's a good thing I've still got, well, I've already got dad bod. <laughs> so have you put a bet on yet of uh, your child playing for Scotland well done Finn I'm glad you asked um, <laughs> not yet but it will happen but you know we record this podcast in London so it could be an English baby so it could you represent can't happen, <laughs> I can't let that happen if Emily my girlfriend turns around to me and says oh my water's broke and the car is right around the corner I mean how long does it take I don't know how long does it take could I, could I get my girlfriend and my baby to Scotland from London because you know my hometown of Dumfries isn't that so far away six border, seven yeah. hours mm-hmm. that's doable I think it depends on on what Emily's contractions and delivery is like do you study medicine <laughs> no <laughs> anyway either way um, Emily's half English anyway so um, it would still be eligible to play for, for England oh. um, but it won't uh, <laughs> anyway th- We'll move on. This is a football podcast. We know, we know, we know. But just as much as the Scottish football team is cursed, the rugby team seems to be cursed as well because we're on the verge of being knocked out of the Rugby World Cup because of a typhoon. <laughs> Anyone been across the Rugby World yeah, Cup? Yeah, I've been watching it, but we always, in all sports, we always find a way of mucking things up or a new way of going out. We saw it with the women last year yeah. in the World Cup. We, it got to 3-3 because of a retake of a penalty because of VAR, and then they changed the rule the next day. It's, it is the most Scottish thing to happen for us to be knocked out of a competition by the weather. I mean, that is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> and not only a typhoon, but a typhoon that the name itself reminds me of haggis every time I see it. <laughs> it is a kick in the boys every time. Typhoon haggis or haggis abyss. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And I think we've seen this movie before. Shiva. Picking up it. Got him in! A wonderful goal. And the night gets worse. Okay, guys, back to the football. Unfortunately, it was three goals in less than 15 second half minutes that did Scotland and Moscow. We watched Russia run riot and ease their way to a 4 0 win. But thank God Tony brought caramel wafers and Tunnock's tea cakes. Thank you so much for that. It's all right if it's any consolation. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, let's talk about the game. 
uh, it's pretty demoralising. And if we take it half by half, Scotland in the first half, far too deep and just didn't offer enough. I think too deep and too narrow. The amount of times we got caught out in the full-back position, both Palmer and Robertson, was uh, depressing. I think if we're playing against a team that uh, was a bit more switched on in the first half, we might have lost a few goals in the first half. But I think getting to nil-nil at halftime when you've got Mikey Devlin at centre-half making his, his debut as well, I thought we're okay. I think we survived the first half, that's how you'd describe it. But um, just after that, everything was, just went down. It was probably, it was probably the, the only positive thing we could take compared to the home leg um, in Scotland. The fact that we got to 0-0 at halftime yeah, was a but, good thing for but, Scotland. But like Finn was saying, it, it was a survival job. We we were sitting so narrow, especially on the right-hand side where the Fraser and Palmer didn't know who they were marking and what, what they were really doing. Had we been playing a better team, a more switched on team, a Spain, a Germany, a Holland, they'd be switched on to that. They would exploit those weaknesses and those vulnerabilities. And we were lucky to be at nil-nil at halftime. We were quite impressed by Oliver Burke, though, weren't we, in the first half? We actually thought, you know, as a centre-forward, we were a bit nervous about We'd spoke about it, saying he's not got well, the best first touch. But he was he was a bit of a pain in the arse for the Russian team. Yeah. And, and quite a few nice little flicks. Robert Snodgrass got through. He was providing some... some well, he was getting some service for once, that, actually. That is what he can do. He can be a nuisance to defenders and opposition teams with his pace and his power. But it's when he gets the ball, he just doesn't make that right decision. It's Sometimes he just needs to look up and see see other players in space. There was a couple of times where Fraser was looked like he was free on the on the far right and uh, Burke just didn't look up, plays the simple pass or just gives it away or runs into trouble. Is it one of those things where uh, I think we spoke about it regarding Oliver Burke last season? Ralph Hassenhuttle, the Southampton manager who once had him at, at Leipzig, I think it was, and um, he commented on Burke having as you know, an empty hard drive. Yeah. Someone who's yeah, you, you say he's got pace and power, but he doesn't learn. Yeah, he's, he an, he's, learn he's an athlete. He's an athlete, but without a, that football brain for this level. But but look, he was injured at half time, and he comes off, and Lawrence Shanklin came on. But what did we think of his first couple of moments before we get into the goals? <laughs> I, I thought he was fine. He didn't seem overawed by it. I mean, he. This barely... is obviously a Scottish Championship player playing at probably the highest level he ever has. I I think unquestionably um, he seemed fine. I mean, he only had in the second half what eight or nine touches probably in total, most of them with his chest. Which, but he didn't give away possession. I think, but it's just it, it's difficult because, especially as we're going to talk about, when we start losing the goals, it just reverts to type for Scottish players. And Charlie McGrew, as soon as he gets the ball, he just hoofs it sixty yards, goes to no one in particular, and then Russia straight back on the attack again. So, so Anthony, if we talk us through the first goal, Russia broke the deadlock 10 minutes after half time after Scotland were probably having their best spell in the game but it was Artem Zuba who, who hit the yeah, net yeah well it was a, a nice floated ball into the box and a great volley from Zuba let's let's not take that away from him it was a, a very good volley but Charlie Mulgrew has got to be goal side of him and the way he sticks out his left leg is, he is a very one-sided player anyway but he sticks his left leg but around him and the other the opposite side to him if that's the other side and it's his right leg he, he blocks it he needs to be goal side, and that's just basic defending. 
to lose a goal at set piece is a manager's yeah. nightmare, isn't it? It's something you always coach throughout any level, and even when you're in youth football, it's something you always have to. You just can't be given them opportunities in those areas. I think it's when you see as well if it's Mikey Devlin that's marking him and he makes that mistake. You, not that you, it condones it, but you like it's just it's a different way of trying to play against that level of player. But it's Charlie Mulgrew. It's, I think he's the second most capped player mm-hmm. in that current squad. He's 33 years old. He's played at the highest level. He's played in the Champions League. He's played for Scotland and against so many big players. He can't get turned from the corner, like you're saying. But this is this is something we've spoken about for a long time now. We might be, you know, lush in midfield, kind of. Um, <laughs> but we just don't have... We don't have any top class defenders. We don't have any top class centre forwards. And, you know, lo and behold, four minutes after the first goal, Ozdoyev smashes in a long range effort. And as much as you can't take away from the, the hit itself, you can still defend against it. The way the midfield react to the yeah. loose ball was pretty disappointing. This, this time, I think it was McGregor at fault. So he, he tracks the man who. I think it was Golovin who go, came off. Yeah. And uh, it's Ozdev who is taking the shot but McGregor just stands there and just puts a leg out instead of chasing that ball down and it's it's not like you can just sit in that position it's it's almost on your 18 yard box you need to be you need to be chasing that ball down and he just sticks a leg it was very it was almost like a half-arsed attempt to to block the shot was that first goal maybe just such a it was like a Punch in the jejunium. Yeah, thinking but, of Will but, Farrell but, but and Flint Tropics. Yeah, <laughs> you get sick after that. <laughs> I just feel like that first goal made me feel sick, and then it's hard to pick yourself up off the back. But, but, of that. but players like that who've, who've played at the level that McGregor plays at should know that you've got to in those kind of games and those kind of hostile atmospheres as well. You've got to weather the storm. You go a goal down, you've got to weather that storm after five or ten minutes to stay in at one nil, and then you rebuild yourselves and regroup and everything like that. But Scotland just. I th- collapsed. I think the biggest thing is in a game like that especially and when you're not high in confidence when you haven't been playing well a lot of the players didn't really seem to know what their game plan was or what they were supposed to be doing all you really want to see because it's all, obviously you never want to lose 3 or 4 nil away, uh, away from home but at least if you see the players emptying the tank if you see them giving everything like chasing everything down doing it I don't think one Scotland player did that tonight. I, I, and and I, that's where the second goal comes from. But it's like as soon as Juba's first goal goes in, it's like the heads go down and they're just like, oh, here we go again. How many is it going to be? There was that complete lack of fight. There was even it's such a small moment. That, but there was one moment in the second half. I think we were probably 2-0 down or 3-0 down by that point. But I think it's Palmer tries to kick the ball long from defence and it, it hits off the Russian player then rebounds back off him and goes out for a throw and just his body language he's just like oh of course that's, that's happened this is this is where it comes down to Russia also then taking this confidence and, and just starting to bully Scotland because Zuba certainly did that when he made it 3-0 uh, making an absolute meal out of Mulgrew and, yeah. uh, and Devlin it was just just yeah, heartbreaking was, really it was, isn't it it was like a man against two little kids <laughs> it was it just like squeezed his way through well just not squeezed he barged his way through once once the ball landed on his chest and it was even the ball it was even the, the, the ball leading up to that into Scotland's box and you're looking at Robertson and I think it was Fleck who tried to come across to cover for Robertson because it was a nice run through from the Russian player that I can't remember the name of um, but he just cuts it back and yeah it's just it's just centre forward play that Scotland are crying out for absolutely crying out for a player like Zuba that that gives midfielders confidence to give the ball to and to move forward and get into these areas um, 
but look, it, it did get to 4-0 eventually, but there was one moment for Scotland <laughs> to enjoy. Um, David Marshall, remembering his days for Celtic against Barcelona, <laughs> perhaps. The, um, the silkiest moment in the Scotland performance, wasn't it? The, the one genuine moment of composure in the entire game, <laughs> I thought, is it was sending Juba for a hot dog when he, he drags it back. But, <laughs> it's, but the weird thing is, like looking at that tonight as well, that's 4-0. I, I wouldn't even say that David Marshall had a bad game. No, he had one, he one save to make, really, and then the rest were... You know, you can't blame them for those. No, no there's uh, th- three goals that we should have defended better at, and their fourth goal was a bit of brilliance. I don't think there was many complaints at the fo- at the fourth. So I know, I know, yeah, Steve Clark, the manager for Scotland, basically said he wanted all you know full points from the rest of his remaining games, but we know we're not going to qualify for for Euro 2020. Um, but you know, one thing that we can try to do the the, the remaining three games that we've got is try to find a team that's going to work for us for the Nations League playoffs in March. Well, well, this is it. But I don't... The squad he put out against Belgium uh, in Glasgow and uh, this game here, I, I don't see that being that the 11 that's going to play against Bulgaria in March. Yeah. What well, I I understand that uh, Clark needs to be given time and uh, almost do what Strachan did in that f- the end of the fail campaign when he took over. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know what we learned from tonight's game. I, I just can't see any anything. I can't see any plan. I can't see any structure. It just looks like he's almost sending out random players out of that squad it does, in there. It does, it, you touch on something quite important, and I do think that sometimes we find ourselves in positions where we just haven't to find a player to fit a role. We've never got a settled back four. We have a depth of, of options in midfield, and that's fine because a lot of them can be quite similar players, and they're all good at their jobs. And then we just kind of are always chasing for a centre forward. Yeah. How is Clark going to find a settled eleven for Scotland? I I think he has been unlucky in some areas because I think when you look at the the kind of longer term injuries that have happened to McKenna, mm-hmm. Suter, Naismith as well, who have in the past been key players, and you would kind of hope that we don't have to keep relying on Charlie Mulgrew or Grant Hanley going forward you know it's McKenna and Suter players that we can bring into the national team and they'll have the experience by the time they hit their like late 20s they're seasoned international players but um, I don't know I mean I, I was having a look through the squad and some of the players that have maybe not even in the squad or got called up recently I, I, I mean even like a player like Ryan Jack you would think for his age and his experience and where he's been and stuff, he should probably have, what, 20, 30 caps by now? He's got two caps. Mm-hmm. I, we've got this weird thing where we cap players, I think, far too late in the majority. And I even mean it like a relatively young age. So like by the time you're, we think it's still quite young, 23, 24, you're making your Scotland debut. A lot of players have done that. That's actually quite late for international football. So, so, so that's quite similar to, you know, the likes of, of John Fleck, who came in, got his debut um, on Thursday night. You know, he started his career as a, a young, hot prospect at Rangers. Yeah. Um, but it was a decade later. He's 28 now and he makes his debut. And a lot of people have been saying, you know, surely he could get a game. Surely he could get a game. Okay, but Do we think he did well tonight? I think he, I think he was, he was okay. okay. He was okay, but it's it's that thing. Just because he wasn't bad doesn't mean he was good. He's like he was fine. And it was a nice was story like, as well. Yeah. You know, his dad Robert was also capped for Scotland. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So a good moment for for his family. But it's, for sure. it's just a shame he's another centre mid. We we do have a wealth of options there, and that's another thing that Clark needs to get right. We say midfield isn't a problem. It's almost a problem because we've got so many decent players there that we're 
trying to squeeze certain types in at certain moments and we just need to find our best and the one that works the one that works the best as a team not all it might not be your best it might not be the ones that are playing english premier league it could also be your ryan jacks your mcgregor's we need to find the best that can play as a team and as a unit that makes us a good team going from middle to front it's this this thing about confidence this confidence is lacking from from scotland you know we've lost five out of seven and we sit below kazakhstan and cyprus we've got four defeats in a row albeit you know, two of those, Belgium and, and, and then Russia. Um, OK, we play San Marino on Monday, who were beaten 9-0 by Belgium. But, you know, we, we cannot get out of this rut at the moment. It makes it all worse when you see the likes of Northern Ireland doing so well yeah, against it's, Holland. They it, took the lead against them. OK, they lost the game. But it's that idea of like, well, do you know what? I bet you Northern Ireland are disappointed that they didn't get a win. Yeah. And that's a very different kind of psychological aspect that we just do not have at the moment I think there's something that Scotland have been perennially terrible at and that is you never have a plan for the future because we have this thing of like we just need to qualify for a tournament we just need to qualify for a tournament you're trying to get in almost like ringers to try and get you through you know like these 10 games or whatever it's going to be (laughs) but it's like but there's there's no real thought going forward and this it's something I think they they were saying on Sky Sports tonight that that's the fourth defeat we've had in a row yeah. that's the first time that's happened since 2004 mm-hmm. and the manager back then was Bertie Votes and you think some of those were absolute hidings like we lost like 5-0 to France like we got some absolute pastings during that time but and I'm not I'm not trying to defend Bertie Votes here but the one thing he did do was that he tried to bring in young yes. players with the idea of I want them to be experienced by the time they come up it's so a it, game plan right you un- you understood but, the game plan exactly we should, also, we should also defend Bertie Votes he's the last manager to get us to a playoff yeah. get us out of a group yeah totally <sighs> But like some of the well, players, Alex McLeish got us out of the Nations League. Yeah, go, go uh, well, the, the, tradi- <laughs> the traditional groups. <laughs> but like those players that, that he did give a cap to, like McFadden, Fletcher, Gary Caldwell. Sometimes not Kevin the Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was given it. Lee Wilkie as well. Lee Wilkie, wow. Rab Douglas. Gary Kenneth, there's, there's a lot of other ones as well. But but those players then did become kind of mainstays for the national team for quite a while. But yeah, I don't know. I I would like to see more players that are considered to have good futures being involved, not necessarily capped, but definitely involved in the national team at a much younger and earlier stage, the way that England or Wales or a lot of these other countries do it as well so that they're used to it. Because even like looking at that squad, Joe McLaughlin has one cap. He's 32 years old, goalkeeper. And he's, he's probably not going to get anywhere near the first team unless there's a catastrophic set of injuries that befall Marshall. And mm-hmm. I'd, So why is Liam Kelly not in there? I know, I know he's not playing for QPR at the yeah, moment, yeah. but he's a very good goalkeeper. He's 23 years old. Get him involved. And then even Give when, him caps. Even like, when you look at like the Northern Ireland goalkeeper tonight, um, is the Burnley third choice goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're just they're just well managed mm-hmm. and well structured, and they they play as a team. That's what we need. And and we've got better players than Northern Ireland. We were we were discussing this earlier. There's what well, a handful of players that would get into that Scotland eleven. If that, it's embarrassing and it's frustrating that they they've been doing this for like two or three campaigns now and also qualified for a major tournament yet we can't get even close now well it might be a miserable start to this podcast but the rest of it is filled with absolute quality chat. Scottish teams have a long and proud history of success in Europe. 
Celtic, champions in 67. Aberdeen, UEFA Cup winners in 83, beating Real Madrid in the final. And it'll continue this season with... Uh, oh, no, wait, Celtic are out after losing at home to, uh, Kluge. But thankfully, with Paddy Power's money-back specials, not all your mistakes cost you as much. Get money back as a free bet on football every week. See on site for the latest. Paddy Power, home of the money-back special. Selected markets only. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Away from the national team, it's been a pretty seismic week in Scotland. Rangers are top of the Premiership after Livingston achieved their first ever win against champion Celtic. 2-0 win that was last Sunday at the Tony Macaroni. Love that name. Uh, it was a huge result in the title race because Rangers leapfrogged Celtic later that day with a 5-0 hammering of Hamilton. What feeling is that for Rangers to take into this international break? So much confidence, surely. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's... Um I think it's been quite well deserved. I mean, I think if you look at the last international break uh, with Celtic winning at Ibrox, Mm -hmm. I think even then a lot of people might have thought, you know, the the league was over and all this kind of like bluster around Rangers, you know, recruitment during the summer and people being like, oh, the gap's not that big between the squads was kind of blown out of the water. But I think the proof's in the pudding since then. And it's looking at, I think after eight games last season, Rangers were down in sixth Mm -hmm. with 14 points and this season they're top with 21. So... It's it's impressive. I, I I do think the gap isn't as big as a lot of people think. I know JJ said most weeks he thinks that Celtic are just streaks ahead, but mm-hmm. there is a pressure on Celtic this season that Rangers don't have. No one's expecting them to win the league. Mm-hmm. I think they think that they could challenge for it, but no one's expecting Rangers outright to win the league. So I think the pressure there for Celtic is, and you can kind of see it, I think, in some of the performances. It, it, it's funny how you know the media can change in a couple of weeks. Because, like Finn was was saying, you know, Celtic beating Rangers at Ibrox. You know, the common consensus was that Neil Lennon outclassed Steven Gerrard. That Gerrard got his tactics wrong. So the champions were three points ahead. Five weeks later, Gerrard's side are two points clear. It yeah. changes so quickly. Are might, we expe- should we might, expect might that throughout the season? Well, definitely. I think there's going to be heaps of uh, twists and turns. All around. I think that's. A given. I think there's going to be it's going to be very exciting this season, and Rangers are going to push them a lot closer than they have done since they've been back. But like you're saying, it changes over five weeks, but changes over a few days after after Celtic beat Cluj. It was like this Lenin masterclass of uh, beating Cluj so comfortably after they put them out of the Champions League and everything like that. It, it's it, it's going to be a very exciting title race. I sort of do agree with JJ in terms of I do think Celtic are better than Rangers and considerably better than Rangers still. But Rangers, like you said, have got no pressure. They can they can go and prove everyone wrong and they're they're battering teams as well. They're not they're not just winning games, they're battering teams. Is it fair to say that at the end of the day, Rangers don't need to rely on trying to beat Celtic one on one in matches. They could just continue to, to win all their other games and lose all their games against Celtic because in all competitions this season, um Rangers have won sixteen of their twenty games um and they've turned a lot of draws into wins. And they're turning wins into huge margins now as well. I think yeah. it's the difference from last season and I do think this is why it'll be a closer title race this season because last season Celtic did have a few games where they would falter they would drop points on the road or get an unexpected result maybe at home or whatever but the thing was last season in those matches and there were a few times that happened where Celtic were the earlier kickoff in the weekend they would maybe drop points it was there for Rangers to try and 
make a dent in the gap or whatever and they didn't do it mm. that's changing this season and I think that's where psychologically it's a huge thing because that's that builds then yeah. the pressure mm. on Celtic knowing that if you slip up Rangers are going to close the gap or extend the lead or wh- whatever the position is on the table at that point and I think we said already this season but games last season like you just said mm-hmm. like Rangers were drawing this season you know away at St Mirren the opening day away at Kilmarnock I think even they went a goal down at home to Livy and turned that around 3-1 I mm-hmm. think that's games that they wouldn't have taken full points mm-hmm. in last season It's, it's going to be a huge month or so from now until the next international break because I was just looking at Rangers' fixtures they've got Hearts away Porto away Motherwell at home County away then Hearts in the semi-final mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's six games in 13 days Celtics fixtures in that space of time they've got four of their next five premiership games are at home so it could it could we could be having a similar conversation yeah Yeah, it it could could be a similar conversation we're having uh, within four or five weeks time listen if we're if we're going to lose our jobs, maybe we're going to lose our jobs to a supercomputer. A supercomputer has decided that Rangers will win the title ahead of Celtic by three points this season. That is according to 538, a website that uses a specific formula to determine the outcome of sporting events. This was a website that actually uh, was able to predict the US presidential elections. Yeah, um, but the site also says that Kelly will finish third. Oh. So well, despite Kilmarnock's yeah. you know, shaky, wavy season so far, there was another poll coming out uh, saying Jermaine Defoe is the, the fourth most popular footballer in the UK. Wow. Yeah. Um, I did see that as well. It's He is very popular, but down south as well. It's, so, um, so it comes across as a very kind person, doesn't he? Only uh, Kane, Messi and Bale are above him. He's a very well-known figure, and I think he's quite a well like And the, the whole thing, I think, when he was at Sunderland, and there was the the fan who was Bradley terminally Lally, ill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of sticks a lot in people's minds, and I think he is just genuinely one of those people. He's not doing that as yeah. a publicity thing. I think he's just quite like that. Um, and he's doing well for him. Just a hat trick a day before his thirty seventh birthday. Yeah. Um, to think he's thirty seven, it doesn't matter that he's playing in the SPFL. He's he's still got it. He's still a quality player. Yeah. He's still fast as well. That's the he's still got pace about him. He's just got that knack of finishing. Mm. I don't think. I think if you're a striker, you just don't lose it. It's like you know if if you still watch like a charity game and Ali McCoy's there, he kind of looks like the side of a house now, mm-hmm. but he's still going to score an amazing <laughs> goal. Like he's just they don't lose that ability. And Jermaine Defoe, his first goal against Hamilton at the yes, weekend, yeah. the chip over the yeah, goalkeeper is lovely. just phenomenal. Yeah, it was lovely. Um, there was a cracking bit of content from Rangers. Um, with the players telling Rangers TV what they'd order from a curry house. Take a bow, Shay Yojo. You've got to get rice and some curry sauce. Yeah, it, it, make, yeah, it makes sense. That's what that. you get from a Chinese though, isn't it? Not, <laughs> not, not, not <laughs> an <laughs> Although I'd probably go, if I'm in a Chinese, I know it's not a curry house, but I would definitely go chicken fried rice and then get curry sauce on the side. Oh, that's good. That does sound good. Yeah, that is good. The thing about that clip as well, because they're, they're asking all the Rangers players what their favourite one is. My favourite thing is it gets to Andy Halliday, oh, and he, he wastes no menu. time yeah. listing the eight things that he'll yeah. definitely be ordering. Which will probably be the eight things that he orders every single time he goes for a curry. Exactly. Amazing. It kind of reminded me, I don't know if you've seen this, there's a kind of uh, classic clip of Aston Villa players getting asked about their favourite foods and their eating habits from the 90s. This is like way back in the day, like Andy Townsend's in it and stuff. My favourite one is Mark Bosnich, um, who says something like, uh, he's been asked the question, what would you eat? And he's like, oh, well, I eat a lot of pasta 
Uh, but maybe on a Sunday I'll have like a low-fat pizza or something <laughs> or, or a glass of milk with some, some biscuits. You know, like, football nutrition has come a long way since wow. then. Uh, in other news, Sunderland have sacked their manager, Jack Ross. Uh, he was the PFA Scottish Manager of the Year in 2018 after he led St Mirren to the Scottish Championship title, winning that league by 12 points. He's been linked with jobs in Scotland before um, after he left St Mirren with Celtic and and. I just wonder, surely he's not going to be out of a job for long and would Scotland be the destination for him next or would another English team pick him up? I'm not sure if another English team pick him up. Maybe further down that league. I'm not sure sure anyone above Sunderland would would pick him up or or take the chance. But I I also think he's a very good manager. It's the old cliche, you don't become a bad manager overnight. And Mm -hmm. I don't even think he's done that badly for Sunderland. Yes, losing that playoff final was a sickener, but those one-off games, it can happen. Yeah, and he lost, you know, that was just once he took them to Wembley, he took them again for the EFL trophy final. But even now... He might have lost that as well. Yeah, (laughs) but but even now, their position's, what, like fifth or sixth? Mm -hmm. But they've got a game in hand, and that game in hand can take them within one point of second place and, like, five points off top it's really too early to, to sack your manager over that they, they might have had a lot of draws but um, a, a cool stat that I found from Opta Joe said that you know of teams within the top four tiers of English football only Liverpool and Manchester City have lost fewer league games mm. excluding playoffs than Sunderland since Jack Ross was appointed ahead of 2018-19 you know it's it just seems a bit harsh and yeah. I like to see Scottish managers do well down in England you know you've got the likes of Alex Neil at Preston and Preston fans are you know they love him because mm-hmm. uh, he brings a lot of youth through similar to what he did at Hamilton but I've got no doubt that Jack Ross is going to be in a job pretty soon I guess it's only up to himself whether or not he wants to do that I yeah. think he will be it was kind of a baffling decision as well because I think if you read the statement that the chairman from Sunderland released he was kind of saying oh this has been such a difficult decision and he's brought stability to the club which he clearly has because it was just in free fall yeah. you know after years of the whole mess that David Moyes was there and everything like that but um, I th- I think a lot of it does rest on the championship um, mm. the, the playoff to get into the championship last year I was at that game actually at Wembley and it was Charlton that beat them Sunderland didn't really offer much mm. at all during that game yeah, even their goal was what the <laughs> was, most ridiculous own yeah. goal <laughs> um, one thing that Jack Ross could consider being an ex-Hearts coach maybe Hearts is his next destination if it doesn't if it continues to go badly for Craig Levine Levine's there for a while I still think yeah yeah, but what if Levine? We've said it before. Maybe moves upstairs. Jack Ross can come in. Yeah, I think that would be a welcome addition, shouldn't I, it? I, th- I think he'd also be a welcome addition at Hibs as well. Mm. Yeah. I know a lot of Hibs fans who would who would quite happily take him as uh, would be quite a good fit. It's not a if he was at Hearts, you'd still and and Levine went upstairs, so to speak. You'd still have that kind of relationship where yeah. you'd have to get on with Levine. Whereas at Hibs, I think you'd have more of a a chance to, to build his own his own side. Time now for the latest odds with our man Lee Price at Paddy Power. We mentioned earlier Rangers have gone to the top of the Premiership. What's that done to the title odds? Yeah, Jermaine Defoe is on fire. Who would have thought it? He's now the favourite in the top goal scorer market for obvious reasons at 13 to 8. And that still strikes me as value. But that's the only betting market that ranges top. We still make Celtic title favourites. Not only that, we're odds on that they get their 400th title in a row or whatever it is. It's not like they mention it, is it? It's 4-6. to six. New Orleans team finished top. 
Livingston shocked everyone in Scotland with their victory over Celtic. The supercomputer we talked about earlier says they'll finish in the top six, but what did Paddy Power say? <laughs> Crikey, who am I to against the supercomputer? And yet, I'm going to, because Paddy Power say Livingston won't finish in the top six. Here are the numbers. Uh, we don't price Celtic and Rangers in this market because, frankly, we don't need to. They're going to finish top six. Uh, behind them, Aberdeen are one to eight, a certainty, we think, for the top six. And then it gets a bit tighter. Motherwell are one to two, Hearts eight to 13, and then both Hibs and Kilmarnock four to six, level pegging for that final top six space, which means Livingston, who are next in the better at nine to four, we think will finish eighth for this season. Harsh. And finally, we're just about to talk about the Tonics Caramel Wafer Challenge Cup. Who's going through to the last eight? This is my favourite tournament in British and Irish football, although that could just be because of my massive sweet tooth. Wrexham are our shortest priced team to go through to the quarterfinals, because of course they are. Uh, they're 1-12 to to see off the St Mirren Colts. Also odds on at home are Inverness against Alloa, our Brophy against Clyde and Airdronians against Elgin. The shortest priced away side we have are Waterford, who are 13-8 to to win at Stenhouse Muir. And I know you're talking to Andy Morrison next. Let's hope he isn't listening to this bit. We make Partick odds on 8-13 to to go through against his Connors Quayside. Sorry, Andy. Yes, it's Challenge Cup fourth round weekend with arguably the most mouth-watering tie being played at Burhill on Saturday evening. Partick Thistle up against last season's finalists, the team that knocked Kilmarnock out of the Europa League, well side Conus Key Nomads. And we're joined now by Nomads manager Andy Morrison. Andy, you were the first ever non-Scottish team to reach the final last year. How much have you and the players enjoyed this competition? It's been great. It's been a breath of fresh air. You know, you get to this part of the season and um, and it's got something that really just steps away from the league. Uh, we, we treat it as like a European, a mini European campaign with our, our scouting that we do, you know, and our preparation is very similar to, to the European games. And, um, yeah, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Even the first year when, when we played Dumbarton and we went out uh, on a, a goal on the 120th minute, you know, we knew then that it was a competition we thought we could compete in and, uh, and we showed that last year. How are the fans kind of taken to it as well? Have they kind of travelled with you and followed you everywhere sort of thing? Well, we we don't have a fantastic following anyway. We mm. we played Edinburgh last year, and uh, I think we had a record crowd. That was the semi final, um, and you know it, it, it's a difficult. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's not an affluent area of Wales. You know, with a lot of money and and, and expensive to, to to obviously travel that far. But we'll you know we'll have a we'll have a few of our, our loyal supporters there on 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 um, Saturday, and I'm sure they'll make a racket. But it's uh, it is it, like I say, it, it it is it's difficult for 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 people to go that distance. You know, Conisky are a bit of a household name in Scotland now, um, especially after knocking Kilmarnock out of the Europa League this season. Was that part of your ambition when you took over four years ago to kind of, you know, put Conisky on the map? Well, I think it's a, I think it's the intention of any manager wherever he goes to try and uh, and do the right things and be successful. And you know, on the back of that comes a, you know, a bit of recognition for what you've done, and 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 you go on from there. But you know, we weren't. I don't think the the actual Challenge Cup was accessible to to the Welsh team in my first year. Maybe in my second year, I think um, I think then we got invited into it, and um, you know, and obviously we've done well getting to the final last year, and 
Um, and obviously the Kilmarnock game again, you know, that was uh, was a huge upset in Scotland. And and um, you know, and we and we got a lot of uh, you know we got a lot of recognition and press time for for that result. So yeah, we've uh, we've made a good impression up there, and uh, you know, hopefully we can continue that against against a very good Partick team on Saturday. So a lot of people might not know Connors Key, the, the the squad that you've got, and and probably you know I I do a lot of work in, in the national league, and it's very difficult to keep a squad of players together. Um, so it's, it's always a, a quite a big turnaround. But Michael Bakari, someone who's been in the national league, um, ex Welling and, and Wrexham, scored twice at the weekend. He's he's a big player for you. Michael's done great since he came in. You know, a bit of a nomad himself. To be fair, with the clubs he's he's been to, I think he's had twenty clubs in his career and never really got into sort of like past the twenties and a lot of times in his um, in his appearances. But you know, he's gone way past that. And you know, we, he came in and um, he's bought into what we do. And you know, he's 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 accepted the you know the discipline side uh, and the roles within the team and and he's had his rewards you know he's a Welsh Premier League player of the season last year um which is a fantastic achievement for him and you know I was so proud of him and so delighted for him and and again this season you know he he started off a little bit slow but he's he's got up to speed now and, and he's he's a real threat in the, the lads just got incredible talent and you know as I often say for these players who are coming towards that sort of early 30s you know if if I've ever seen a player that has the attributes and the talent, and to actually have played at the very highest and not got there. I think Michael ticks that box, and uh, um, you know, and but he's you know he's more than making up for that now because he's in the twilight of his career and he's playing the best football he's ever played. So what about Partick Thistle then? Um, they've had a difficult season, replaced their manager with uh, Ian McCall, who knows the club well. Um, but are you wary of maybe a new manager bounce? I think that was apparent, you know, with the result in Renes Cali, you know, I think Renes were top and they went there and beat them, you know, and I watched them the week before in the Dunfermline game and I went away, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a freak result really because um, they completely dominated the game and especially the first half an hour and found themselves 2-0 down. Um, and then a deflected goal makes it 3-0 and, and it really puts a unfair reflection on that game and, and I saw in that game how many talented players that Partick had um, obviously, the new manager has come in, and their expectations at the start of the season from actually being there in amongst the club and speaking to people was promotion. You know, they'd set a squad up and and it invested, you know, with the, the intentions of promotion. So they obviously weren't happy. You know, the manager lost his job, and they brought in somebody who's got fantastic experience in that league and was top of the league at the time. And um, I'm sure, you know, they'll be very buoyant, and um, and the place will be will be jumping. You know, and the results this season haven't gone for them, but. And listen, it's a game of football, and I think no matter what it is, what competition it is, you want uh, as a professional, you want to win. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be they'll be taking it very seriously. And just finally, uh, a lot of people might know your name and and being captain of Manchester City um, when they were in what we now call uh, League One. How do you use your experiences from your playing career to get the best out of these players? You, you mentioned Michael Bakari and you know putting a platform in front of these players to play their best football how do you achieve that as a manager i think it's no rocket science you know i think it's the same as every manager you know you you just want your players to be the best they can be and um and fulfill their potential and and encourage that and um you know and just try and find the the inner strength in every player there's you know for me every single player that's playing football there's a warrior inside them and yet you have to find a way to wake that up and get the best out of them and so that they're going into every game at the very, very top that they can be. 
um, no nights off. You know, it's it has to be that way for every for every game. And you know, and I, and I think on many occasions, you know, in Europe, we we've overachieved against teams that were you know when we were the inferior opposition or the underdogs. We we've come through in that, and I see that in a lot of my players. You know, they're they're playing right at the top of their game, and. Um, and we always go into every game. And if you beat us, it'll be because you're a better football team than us. You know, you'll never outthink, you never outbattle, um, and you'll never have more desire than our team. You know, and uh, and if we walk off and we've lost the game, and it was down to the fact that the opposition were better, we're also very gracious. You know, we'll accept that. But you know, it's important that wherever you go. Um, you leave an impression and as I often say you know you want to leave a, the right impression but the wrong impression is better than leaving no impression you know you have to go somewhere and let people know you've been in town and that's what we intend to do Saturday It's been quite the week for Hibs Ladies Football Club they warmed up for their Scottish Cup semi-final on Sunday with a 13-0 win over Forfar in the league on Tuesday and we're joined now by Vice Captain Rachel Boyle First of all Rachel we spoke to you at the end of last season but back then, we referred to you as Rachel Small. You got married to Martin in the summer, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, it's been quite a busy summer. We obviously we got married, and uh, then about a month and a half later, we decided to move house as well. So, oh wow, um, it's it's been a bit hectic, but it's been worthwhile. So F- fantastic. Obviously, for anyone who doesn't know, we're talking about Martin Boyle, who also plays for Hibs. Um, had a terrible year with injury as well, though. So, how how is he getting on? He's doing well. He's almost back. Um, he's been given the uh, the go ahead to go back out onto the pitch and, and do some ball work and things. So I think he's just waiting for the go ahead to get back involved with the team and uh, get back training on the pitch with the first team. So hopefully we'll see more of him by the end of the month. We'll get back to the football. You won 13-0, as we mentioned. We'd be giving you a bit of stick if you didn't score, but you did. How, how did. well is the yeah. team playing right now and how well are you playing? Um, yeah, I think the team played really well on Tuesday night. Um, it was obviously an emphatic scoreline, but mm-hmm. um, I think credit goes to ourselves. The way that we moved the ball and the speed of our play, it was just another level from from what we've been doing in previous weeks. So, yeah, I think the, the confidence is certainly certainly getting higher as the weeks progress in the league and things. Um, obviously, we're disappointed in the fact that we've let Glasgow City run away from us. But mm-hmm. um, I think if we played the way we have been playing against Glasgow City in the earlier games in the season, then we might have run them a bit closer. So, yeah, um, things are looking good just now. Um, obviously, all we've got left to play for now this season is the Scottish Cups and obviously um, gaining second place in the league. So, so yeah, I think we're in a good, strong position to do that, and hopefully, we can keep playing the way we've been playing. So, is there anything you can put that that kind of change in gear? Uh, is there anything you can kind of pinpoint and go, "That's you know, that's why we're doing better," or so just a different message in the dressing room or anything like that? Um, no, there's no different message. I think Grant said it from the get-go of the season that he wants us to be playing fast, free-flowing attacking football, and we've kind of get the freedom to do that um, in any game that we play in. And obviously, defensively, he wants us structured and. And hard to beat. So yeah, nothing's changed in terms of the dressing room message. Um, I think maybe we got the weekend off mm-hmm. um, there because it was obviously the international break. Um, so we were training throughout, and then we got the weekend to to kind of recover and relax a wee bit. Um, I believe that the team actually went out and did a bit of a team bonding thing. Um, what did you do? The, uh, well, I wasn't there because oh. I was um, away with the national team in the training camp, so I didn't get involved in that. But from from what I heard, the girls seemed to enjoy it. It was a bit of a gathering at one of the girls' houses. So 
Um, so yeah, I don't know if maybe the the team unity and the bonding and thing mm-hmm. kind of helped with the the performance on Tuesday night, but certainly um, that seemed to to go a long way in terms of everybody was feeling fresh, everybody was fit and ready to go come Tuesday night. So mix that with the fact that maybe we prefer playing games instead of training during the week, then sure. yeah, that helped as well. So so no, we were happy with it. You might be facing Glasgow in the Scottish Cup final. They they play Rangers on Sunday and you face Motherwell, uh, who themselves were promoted last year. Uh, but they've taken quite well to this level, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, we obviously played Motherwell last season. Well, I wasn't there. Um, the team played Motherwell last season in the Scottish Cup final and it was another emphatic victory. But um, this season especially, Motherwell have proven hard to beat. Uh, we played them a, a couple of weeks ago and we only beat them 2-0 and it was, it was a hard 2-0. It was a hard fought. Um, they they sat in deep. They made it very difficult for us, and we're kind of expecting the same sort of thing from them this weekend. We know that they're going to make it difficult and and try and hit us on the break. They've got a few fast technical players that can hurt us if we allow them to. So, so yeah, we're we're looking forward to a tough game. It's not a given that we're just automatically going to be in the same uh, the finals. So we need to work hard for it, and we know rightly so that that Glasgow City will be doing the exact same thing with Rangers. They'll know that it's not a given for them either. So, yeah, it'll be interesting on Sunday to see which teams. Progress. Uh, well, just finally, Scott Booth, Glasgow City manager, he says he's frustrated that the semis are actually being played in the same day that Scotland um, play San Marino at Hamden. Do you think that the women's game gets as much support that it needs, or do you think do you think there needs to be more focus on the women's game up in Scotland? Um, yeah, I think it's it's a hard one because obviously the scheduling gets done months and months in advance so for it to land on the same day it's it is disappointing in terms of trying to build a fan base and get some people out to watch it because obviously the the men's team's a priority as well for for most fans at the moment so yeah it's difficult in terms of trying to gain more and more crowds and spectators but at the same time I think we're going in the right direction the football's getting a lot more competitive it's getting a lot better in both technical and physical aspects of the game so I believe that most people that come to watch um, for the first time they say that they would love to come back because it's a real family environment the little kids and not just girls but boys as well come along and we're seeing more and more of that um, at games on a Sunday and and even midweek like we've had a couple of midweek games lately and we've had quite big numbers in terms of anywhere we've played so we've played Easter Road in the Champions League and that drew a decent enough crowd and then obviously we were playing at Pennycook as well and and we were actually surprised at how many people turned out to Pennycook so the fact that we're maybe moving around Edinburgh is helping attract different sets of fans but it's only something that can benefit the game. Well, we mentioned Motherwell. A lot of English Football League clubs have been sacking their managers, as was mentioned on the Totally Football League show, and a few of them might have their eyes on Stephen Robinson. Barnsley and Millwall are particularly interested. Sunderland and Reading also need a manager. Is it a bad time for Motherwell? Third in the table? Surely Stephen Robinson's not going to leave them in that position. I don't know. It it depends. I, th- I, I really hope he stays... I think we were saying uh, a couple of weeks ago, like it, how entertaining Motherwell have been to watch this season. I think first and second places, Rangers and Celtic are going to be quite far out of sight for that. But I think third place, honestly, I think that's kind of that could be a bit of a race to get to that one because I don't think Aberdeen are as good as they were last year, and they've kind of faltered a little bit. I think Kelly are starting to come good now. Motherwell have been fantastic, and even potentially Livy, they're there thereabouts at the moment. It's just a question, I think, if they can can maintain that level of consistency that they would need to do that which is a hard ask but he's been fantastic he's been such a a great 
person to have in the Scottish game because of the way that he's turned Motherwell around, I think, from the way that they played where they were not the easiest team for a neutral to watch. They were quite hard going, a bit of a slog, very physical team and now they're playing this brilliant kind of like attacking football. I, yeah, I really hope he stays but you never know the lure of down south and the money and the opportunity. If, if he does maintain this level of consistency and finishes third, for example, or gets them to a final or semi-final or something like that, he is very unlikely to be there next season yeah. but I would definitely, I think he should stay now and you don't want to lose him at this stage to a lower a lower league English team, for example, at the moment. He he could get a bigger job at the end of at the end of this season to, to maybe another team in Scotland as well. But yeah, I think it would be great for the Scottish game for him to stay and great for Motherwell for him to stay. We said talking about finishing third, they're only five points off the top. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Come on, Steve O. That's all we've got time for. Thank you to Finn. Thanks, Anthony. And thanks to Little Kicks for our great little theme song. Thank you for listening. Most importantly, we'll be back next Friday with the return of the Premiership as Hearts take on Rangers. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. <laughs>